Welcome to the fittest podcast in Oakland, where your favorite coaches talk everything to help make you a better person inside and outside of the gym. Welcome back to the fittest podcast in Oakland. Today, Ben and Robin interview one of our own clients. We interview Kristen Gustafson, or KG, and we talk all things mental health. So tune in, listen up, and learn how this aspect of your life can have a big impact in the gym and out of the gym, and how we're helping you to get better at it. Welcome back. It's Ben. It's Robin. And who's our special guest, Robin? Uh, well, this is the fittest podcast in Oakland. Don't forget to announce our title. <laughs> I will do the whole intro. Don't you worry. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> we have a special guest today. We have Miss Kristen Gustafson, otherwise known as KG, um, in, the, in, the, in the house today to talk about her specialty. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and let us know what she specializes in. Thanks, Robin. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm KG. Um, in my other world, I am an assistant professor of social work at Cal State East Bay and a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist for the last mm, 14 years. Um, so mental health, and in particular, mental health um, from a community-based standpoint is my area of expertise. Cool. So we wanted to ask you some questions um, as it relates to the gym mainly, but also just kind of out there in the wild about mental health. It's kind of a hot topic right now. Um, we just got, well, we can talk about lots of mental health examples, but we have, you know, the Olympics just came and um, so mental health and sport. Um, and also, um, it kind of has come up in, in the CrossFit world a little bit, too. So it's um, very relevant right now. So how would you define mental health, Kristen? What is it? So, I mean, I think I would talk about it in terms of, like, mental wellness. Um, and I, I also would say that it refers to your ability to manage stress in a way where um, you can stay regulated and healthy. Um, in part because stress is a normal part of life. We all have stress, there's no way to eliminate stress. Stress is actually good, it's part of um, what makes us go as humans. Um, so really when we talk about mental health, we're often talking about how we um, learn to manage and mitigate stress. Um, and then I would say the other side of that is the part of us that's created for connection and community. Um, and that's also a part of wellness. And frankly, it's also a part of how we regulate stress. We regulate stress with the help of others. We're an interdependent species. And actually part of how we learn to regulate and how we continue to regulate as adults is through connection and community with others. Wow, cool. So if I'm gonna 
translate that to the gym, your definition of mental health is like my definition of how well I handle 100 burpees. Absolutely. I have to figure right. out how to pace them, how to move through them. I know I can do one, and then how do I keep doing and managing that, that stress? And while I don't like that, I do like the outcome that comes from it. And maybe burpees is a bad example, but like deadlifts. Like, I freak the heck out when I pull a big heavy deadlift. But at the end of the day, if I do it right, I'm really happy with the results that come from it. So right. I think that's, that's where I always think of mental health and translating it back to like the physical and the fitness piece is you have to push things and you have to, you have to make stressful situations so that I adapt and change. Absolutely. We try that all the time in the gym. Yeah. So. And there, there's a community piece to that, right? Like when we're all doing 100 burpees, we're looking around and we're sort of like, okay, is anyone else dying? Or, we, or no, we're all still alive. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like there is a strength that comes from, and we do regulate off of that. We mm-hmm. do sort of go, oh, oh, they're pushing it. Maybe I could go a little faster. Or, oh, geez, they're pushing it. I'm not doing that. Or whatever. Like we, we make decisions also, and we see our own sort of physical and emotional and mental response based on that communal experience. It's why something like Dusk to Dawn was so fun, was because that community aspect, you know, and, and everybody got all these PRs and all of that stuff happens. Why is that? Some of it's the atmosphere and environment and how we actually work as humans to gain strength from that connection. Mm-hmm. like it. And just like you can have um, health problems, you can have mental health problems too. And they can really wreak havoc with your life with your with your well-being yeah um Kristen who needs mental health help well I mean everyone needs mental health help if the pandemic has taught us anything it's that none of us have come through this unscathed right this has impacted us and emotional mental you know just like a basic reptilian level of oh my gosh what um, uh, an amount of stress um that doesn't necessarily mean that we all need professional mental health help, but we all need mental health help. We all need assistance. And I, I continue to come back to that interdependence notion. Like our mental health depends on our interdependence with one another, our reliance on, on one another in how we manage stress and stressful situations. Um, and one of the things that happened in the pandemic was that a lot of us were like, oh, my usual coping strategy of going to the gym or hugging my friend or going shopping, like all of a sudden all of that was gone, right? And we had to figure out how to come up with new coping strategies. And some were, you know, maybe more healthy than others. Like some were drinking a lot and others were like, oh, I'm gonna figure out how to do this gym thing, but with a bag of bark chips or like, you know, kettlebell swinging bottles of bleach or whatever. Like we we adapted and adjusted because we still needed to address all of that, those issues, both from a fitness perspective as well as from a mental fitness perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely saw that for sure. All right, well, on that, I mean, just to kind of keep going with that theme, how does mental health fit into this gym culture that we have here? So, I mean, I think I would talk about that probably from three points. Um, and the first is, um, the point of distress tolerance. So we talk about that a lot in mental health, the idea that um, actually part of that's something you can learn. Those are skills that you can gain and grow in improving your distress tolerance. And we all have those naturally, and we've built those our whole lives. 
but we can grow them, right? Because sometimes we encounter um, a particular stress that leads us to feel like we can't quite manage that. And one of the things we learn at the gym is that we all start with limits and yet we can kind of push those limits, right? We can grow. That's why we, the one rep max we had last year isn't necessarily the one rep max we have this year, right? Because we're, we're growing our ability to tolerate the distress of lifting heavy things. And what we learn from that is that we can grow our ability to tolerate the distress of lifting heavy things, right? But that applies in other areas of life. So it's a really good message to gain in a situation like the gym that translates into other areas of, of the things we do. And part of that piece is also, you know, the flip side of growing in distress tolerance is that it builds resilience. And when you have a good workout at the gym, part of what happens is you're like, oh, I can tackle this day, right? Like it's, yeah. Um, yeah. You, it, it affects you mentally and emotionally. You, you trust yourself, right? You know more about what you're, you're capable of. And you go into, you know, the stress of your job situation or a family struggle or whatever, and you think about it from maybe a little bit of a different perspective. Um, so it just gives you that um, foundational knowledge that you can build resilience. And I think that that's a really helpful message for people. And then on the other side, I would also talk a little bit about the emotion regulation piece. So we don't talk about our feelings a lot in the gym. Um, despite my trying to get I was going to say, you don't talk about your feelings a lot in the gym. <laughs> I hear someone's feelings a lot in the gym. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> um, but we all have them, whether we talk about them or not. Um, and one of the things that stress does is that we have an emotional reaction to that, right? It's not just um, a mental or physical reaction. There's also an emotional reaction. And to be able to figure out how do we regulate that? And that's not to say, I don't mean suppress it. Regulation is not the same as suppressing. Regulation is recognizing that those feelings are real. We feel them, but they don't need to control us, right? And so how do we um, bring our energies, our mental fitness, our resilience to be able to regulate those emotions in a way um, that helps us rather than hurts us? And I do think we can learn some of that here at the gym, right? We you know, we, when, when we are feeling angry, we come in and you hear people say, I need to lift heavy things, <laughs> right? Because part of what they're saying is I need to help regulate this feeling. Um, and this is part of how I can do that in a healthy way without murdering people. And that's a better choice, right? I mean, I think there's a flip side to that, which is sometimes that we, we can, um, you know, take the good things that are happening at the gym and, allow them to become obsessions or um, fixations um, rather than and then holding that in balance or tension. And, and I don't know, you guys should talk about that, how you notice that in folks. Well, I want to go back to the emotion. You talked about anger, but what one of the emotions I see a lot in here is fear. Hmm. Um, and, I, and I see them come in, I'm afraid you're going to judge me. I'm afraid I'm not going to succeed here. I'm afraid people are going to look at me and laugh at me. All the way to... I know that a hundred double unders what that feels like or a hundred burpees and I'm afraid of that and overcoming that fear. And to me, that's just, and, and not, this is the positive side, just watching people get empowered by overcoming their fear is it's, it's beautiful. And I see it in this gym and I don't see it in a lot of the other fitness arenas that I've tried before. There's that's the element that's 
really so unique to what we do here. So that's just my little thought on emotions. I love that. I mean, I think that one of the things that people learn from that is not how to stop being afraid, but how courage actually is action in the presence of fear, right? And so they're exercising courage in that moment. It's not like the fear goes away. Right. Um, we certainly beat it back, I think, in some of the repetition. But I'm still afraid of rope climbs. I do them, but I'm still, I look at that. And when I'm at the top, touching that stupid piece of tape, I'm looking down going, oh, man, it's so high. I don't love it, this. It is a valid fear. It's a valid fear. <laughs> yeah. And you do it anyway. And the repetition is the idea. It re- reinforces the, um, the knowledge that I know deep down, which is actually I'm okay. Like, I'm not, this isn't going to kill me. I can do a lot of things afraid. And what I learn is that I keep on living. I keep on surviving. In fact, I get stronger. You know, it's the opposite of what I'm afraid of that actually happens. What's the old school CrossFit guy's name? Tony Blauer? Yeah. Blauer. Yeah. He talks about, it's not fearless. I fear less. Like literally have less fear. Um, you're not, you're still afraid, but you now go, okay. Or you get more comfortable with that feeling. Yeah. Like when I do 30 seconds of double unders, I start panicking because my heart rate just goes through the roof. And it took me a long time to go, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like... The, the best example, and it's actually the reason I got into coaching, box jumps. Ah, yeah. Like, the irrational fear of, I cannot jump on that 12-inch box when you lift your leg and look at it and go... I can. If, if I just raise my <laughs> knee up, I'm six inches above that box with my yeah. foot. And the understanding and like working through that with people and just seeing it click. And you just go, that person's going to go about their life completely different now. And I did nothing. I literally did nothing but sit there and hold their hand and go, you're going to do this until we're done. And lo and behold, a week later, they're jumping on a 20 and a 24. And it's, and I know that's not only translating in here, but it's translating out there because now they're going to go, whatever it is, they're going to ask for the race. They're going to ask the cute person they see across the bar out. They're going to do the thing that they're like, this could lead to a bloody shin, but it could also lead to me standing on top of something really excited and happy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's so cool about it. Um, and it's one of the things I think in here, in a weird way, in a safe environment, even though injuries happen and things happen, this is a really safe laboratory. Yeah. Like you, can, you can mess around and do a lot of things wrong and still come out and walk out the door safe. Yeah. <laughs> Rob well, and I talk about it all the time. Yeah. But, and I think that's what's so cool. Well, and you and Robin do a really great job of creating a safe place for people to also fail, right? So how do you know that you've hit your one rep max? You, you get to the one you can't lift, right? Yep. So, or, or you have to dump it or you, whatever, right? And there's so many places in the world where, where we get the message that failure is awful. It's just the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in here, it's the opposite. And what a much healthier message about fear to get and to integrate is like, oh, actually, no, I, that's, I just learned my limit. So yeah. glad I know my limit. Now I know what to do with that. Now I can figure out how to push it, how to train it, how to whatever. But if you don't know your point of failure, um, then you're not going to have really great self-insight. And so I think the gym contributes to that, which is a real great sign of mental health when people are able to have that level of self-insight. It's one of the biggest reasons I love Olympic lifting. If you learn how to fail properly within Olympic lifting, 
you're just going to grow every time you fail. You might miss lifts, but you're going, oh, that's where I was out of position here. Or, ooh, I was in my toes there. Or, oh, I didn't extend my hips here. Like, and that understanding and collecting in my head, I go, oh, okay, now I know how to do this in a different way. And I learn from failing instead of just learning from succeeding. Not to say I chase failure, but I push those boundaries and play within them. Um, I want to go back to a little bit of the distress tolerance because I think that's an important piece. Uh, and I see a great example in a current client of mine. They don't like hanging on the bar because it hurts their hands. <laughs> oh, we see that all the time. I mean, we yeah. see it all the time in all sorts of shapes and fashions. And I think everybody relates to that. Like we've all jumped on a bar and gone, oh, this doesn't feel good. Or it's cold. <laughs> it's cold or, or that. And you go, okay, hold on. And it's, it's fascinating because you see their brain tick. And then all of a sudden I say, we're going to go for five seconds. And while that struggle happens, they do it. And I drop them down and we jump back up and I go, do it again. And if really and truly they couldn't hold for more than five seconds, they wouldn't be able to jump back up and hold again for five. And I think it's that little bit of like, let me just inch this along. And I know with them, I'm going to be like, next week it's going to be 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And we're going to hold. And they're going to scream. They're going to kick. They're going to wiggle. They'll drop at eight the first time we do it. And then we'll do it again and again. And again, and eventually it will get to the point where it's like, oh, now we're actually at a physical limit, not just the mental strain of like, this sucks. And I think that's what one thing that distress and resilience teaches a lot in here. And it's with simple things. It's with the uncomfortableness of a cold barbell at 6 a.m. It's with the, oh, my calluses aren't cleaned up enough to hang on this bar today, or I don't have chalk on my hands, so I can't hang. Um, I wore the wrong pants for double unders. Yeah, it's that, it's that subtle uncomfortableness that I think then I go through the rest of my life and I go, yeah, the fact that the idiot cut me off in traffic isn't so bad. Because <laughs> right. I'm not hanging on that stupid bar or not having to do a, a fifth burpee now and that type of stuff. So I find a little more patience in the rest of my life because of the, the challenge and distresses in here. Yeah. You know, and... Well, I don't have a gym with my students, so I actually make them hold ice. Oh. And then we talk about what do you do to be able to tolerate this? So for some people, they'll, they can watch silly cat videos or they can doodle or whatever while they're holding this thing that's really cold and causing them pain and distress. And for other people, what they notice helps is actually talking to a classmate, mm -hmm. right? which is something we do in here, right? When we complain and do silly stuff and make jokes, when we're all hanging on the bar talking about how awful it is, part of what we're also doing is building connection and community to help us tolerate that thing that's so hard, right? Um, and that's, I mean, we learn to do that. When we're little and we fall at the playground and scrape our knee, who's the first person we look for? We look for our caregiver to say, you're fine, you're all right. Or their eyes or demeanor tell us, oh, you're not okay, <laughs> right? They, you better start crying or you better whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? Or we run to them and we get a hug because that helps us regulate. Um, so those things happen in here too. And that's part of the community piece of what you've built of the, you know, we're all in this together. Um, that makes CrossFit so great. I laugh at the ice thing because it's one thing I don't understand right now. The fascination with people and ice challenges and sitting in buckets and ice. And I'm like, that was post-football practice with all my buddies joking around with six of us in a 30-degree tub because we could just wanted to survive for the next practice. But it, it's an excellent way to 
get past being uncomfortable. Oh, you sit in that tub for 10 minutes and go, and you're talking the whole time, making jokes about somebody and the, their limp that they have from getting hit in practice. And all of a sudden 10 minutes is up. Yeah. And you're like, but you go in there on your own yeah, with nothing story. else. And it's like, this is the longest 10 minutes I've ever been alive. <laughs> yeah. And burpees by yourself when you're here in open gym are different <laughs> than burpees with the group. Yeah, for I mean, sure. It's the same thing. Yep. Exactly. So do we want to talk about, I mean, we're talking about kind of maintaining health, healthy mental health, but what if you're struggling and this isn't doing it for you? Um, what, when do you look for help? Like if someone's listening to this and, and what, what do you do to check in with yourself and say, maybe I need more than just the gym? Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about this with clients a lot, right? When, when, we often call it a relapse prevention plan, but it's basically the idea that maybe that anxiety is going to come back. Maybe that depression is going to come back. Maybe something's going to wallop you. There's going to be some new situation that just brings on an amount of stress that you're just like, I cannot do this on my own. That's normal, right? That's part of it. And how do you notice when that happens and then have a plan in place for what you're going to do? So we, we develop those plans with, with the folks that we, we work with. And there are a lot of things like, maybe you're noticing something silly or maybe it seems silly to somebody else, but it makes sense for you. So like, for example, Hey, I can kind of tell my depression's coming back when I stop making my bed. Cause it just makes it easier to get back in it. That's a oh. sign to me that like, Oh, that that's a, that's the neon sign flashing in the window saying, pay attention to this. Yeah. This, this is back. Or, um, you know, I start getting more headaches because I can tell I'm holding tension uh, again because of stress and anxiety or I'm, you know, ruminating on a particular thing and I can't get it out of my head and it's keeping me from being able to sleep. And that is a sign to me that the, the sort of the, the teeter totter has tipped. Right. And so, you know, I mean, some of that is you have to pay attention to yourself, right? You have to practice that kind of awareness and then to know what those things are to be able to say, okay, I know what this is. What does it mean? So it could mean reaching out to friends and getting support, um, bringing in additional um, things in addition to the gym. So other um, healthy habits like paying attention to your nutrition, paying attention to your sleep. And it could be getting professional help like counseling, um, whether that's a, a group setting or with an individual therapist. Um, you know, it, it's not a forever thing. I mean, I, uh, that's a lot of clients I work with say, you know, part of my um, you know, resistance in coming to therapy was, it seems like from the movies, you got to do it your whole life. Like it's just forever. And that's not true, right? You, you, it, it can be for a season and there are always seasons when, when we need that extra little bit. So, but in order to know that you have to be paying attention. Um, and then sometimes it's just, we haven't been paying attention and it kind of catches us unawares. Um, and so then you notice it then and you pay attention to it then. Kind of like when your shoulder starts hurting. <laughs> kind of like that. You go overhead. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Two things with that one. One is like, from my experience with professionals and getting help, the good therapist, that's literally the first thing they say in the session. Yeah. Is my goal is to get you back on your own. And it was like, well, yeah, that makes sense from like all the things I do physically and all this stuff, the physical therapist and like, but really? And they're like, yeah. We're not going to spend forever together. And if I, do, if I don't do that, and that's how I knew immediately, I was like, oh, this is the person I need to work with. 
Because everyone else was like, was like, wait a minute, you just have me on a recurring, what's going on here? And then it was like, oh, got it. You have a plan to help me and then give me the tools to go forth. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things I think we try and do in the mm-hmm. gym is like with fitness, it's not, I don't explain things just to explain them. I explain them so hopefully one day when I'm not here, you can do it on your own. Like, or you're out in public and need to do it on your own. Or you want to work out with a friend and go do it on your own. Like, I want you to be able to do it. I don't, I don't want me to have to hold your hand the entire time. Because I think that's where eventually I've done a disservice to you as a client or a person. I'm your crutch. And that's never what I want it to be. Of course, always here to be the helping hand and the shoulder to, to guide you, but... You almost said shoulder to cry. Yeah, I did. We almost went feeling. Don't do that. Well, that just opens me up for another uh, tearful hour, um, which I will take. I've done it. It's okay. But yeah, that's... um, In this line of work, I think that's one thing you have to be ready for, too. I think that's sidetracking, but that's an... I understand when you talk about letting emotions release. I've seen it. I've sat there. I've had to sit and deal with emotions with people and go, yep, this is the, the fitness plan I had is not there. It's this plan. Um, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of the, the healthier version of the bartender, right? I mean, they get the same, they, they function in the same way yeah. as, as a mental health helper. Um, you know, it's just in a diff- it's just in a different bar. Of course. One thing we have to be really cognizant of is, and this is physically and mentally, we need to know when we're out of our lane, like when we're out of our scope and we need to outsource. Um, we do that with our bodies. Like when we, we can fix a lot of things because we've seen a lot of things, but if we see this isn't working, we need to outsource to our chiropractor or physical therapist. Um, and same with mental health. Like sometimes, you know, we're like, that's outside my scope. I see you're, you're struggling. I see you're hurting. Um, but I need to, you know, you need to go talk to your therapist about that. It, it, it doesn't happen because we, we kind of ride that line, but it definitely happens. And we have to be really aware of not overstepping because we want to we fix everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you might have something to say about that. Like at what line, you know, the layman is no longer able to care for this person or can even be dangerous. Right. Well, I mean, I don't really get to be a layman um, anymore. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, trying to figure out um, how do we um, walk with people while also recognizing the need to maintain healthy boundaries and hold those. And so, I mean, the sign of that is when, when other people's stuff is sort of leaking into your space in a way that feels like I can't handle this then you're out of your depth, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, we can all lend support, but we can't all be um, that person's therapist. And so, and just to be able to say that, just to be able to say that out loud, like I feel for you, I have a lot of empathy for what you're going through. I wanna be here to support you. And I'm not saying that I'm not willing to support you. And, you know, this is more than what I'm able to do. Like you need more help and yeah. there's no shame in that. I see it when someone stops sharing with me. The moment they like get, you can see there's something wrong, but they won't share what it is. That's when I recommend, I'm like, have you talked to someone else? Who are you talking to about this? Yeah. Or they're, you know, the other side is, oh gosh, we're spilling our guts. And I'm like, are you talking to somebody about this? Like, and you can tell that there's something else there. Um, and it's where 
I won't pry because I think that's out of my scope. Yeah. If, you, if you bring me the problem and are like venting to me, I'm like, okay, I'll sit. <laughs> I have we a... get to know our clients so well that we can tell when you guys walk in the door if something's off. Mm. And, you know, as long as you're not saying it in front of someone, I mean, I would say, well, you're not you today. And they'll either say, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they let it all out. So, yeah, I mean, we... I mean, the bottom line is we just care so much. So, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't have any other questions. Um, I mean, I did put a question on how do you support yourself um, with your struggles and how do you support others. But I feel like we've kind of touched on that a bit with mm-hmm. the community and building resilience and then, you know, seeking help when, when you can't manage your stuff. And that's, again, I like the way you said no shame, because I think we're getting so much better in our society about taking the stigma and the shame out of seeking help. I think people, I mean, look at Michael Phelps and Simone Biles and these people that you look up to as strong, resilient people are reaching out for help. So I think that's really motivating. But part of that strength is knowing your limit, right? Right. Because you, you, you want to maintain your ability to be an athlete, your ability to do this thing you love. And so you know that you need to bend but not break. Mm-hmm. And knowing your limits is actually a really important part of that, right? Yeah. Not getting up on that balance beam when you can't find the ground, yeah. right? And it's, um, that's a sign of mental health when you're able to admit limits. Um, it's, you know, even though there may be, you know, an underlying depression or anxiety, there's also health there because what you're saying is I recognize I'm at a limit that I need to figure out how to address in order to be able to adjust that limit, um, live with that limit, whatever it is, right? That's a sign of health um, when people are able to do that. I like that. I like that a lot because that gives you permission to kind of say, and we all have a, we all have a, a limit. We have a limits, right? It's like you're not unique in that. So. What about the other side? The, um, the, What's the fun? What's your mantra right now? Oh, um, strong mind, not feelings. Yeah, my mind is stronger than my feelings. My mind is stronger than my how feelings. Do we balance, how do we balance that other side? Oh, he's like, talking about me, basically. No, 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 I'm talking, because no, it's not just you, Robin. There's a lot no, of people. Like, I'm just going to give in to, I'm cold, this hurts. Yeah. I don't want to work out today. And just melt into a little ball instead of, all right, let's just warm up and get to it. Well, there's both extremes, right? There's yeah. the, there, I mean, because, you know, we're trying to walk sort of a middle path of, of balance, and there's, you can fall off either side of the road, right? And one side is that puddle of like, oh, I can't do it, it's too hard, <laughs> and the other side is, I'm going to do this every day, I'm chasing this high, I have to have this result, I have to, like, it's the, it's the, the flip side, right? Yeah. They're both a dark side of that, or a shadow side of that, the, the, the benefit, right, of belonging to a community like this. So one is listen to yourself, but also listen to others, right? That's part of the community piece. There's yeah. part of the coaching piece. Like we, we look to you guys to also tell us, hey, you know, I think you should put more weight on that bar. Or actually, I think you need to take a rest day and actually take a rest day and not go to another gym and do something else <laughs> or do your Peloton at home or whatever it is while you're um, like we, we have. Part of the piece of the fact that we regulate via community and interdependence is we have to rely on that community to help tell us when 
um, we've fallen off into the shadow of the road. And, and then we have to pay attention to it. I think that's that's one big thing I, I always want people to remember is you don't have to be all right to come here. Like you, you don't have to be all right physically. You don't have to be all right mentally. We'll take you as you are. You know. I yeah. think, it, of course, yeah. There, there's limits to all of that, but. I, <sighs> well, and I needed to hear you say that when I had surgery on my foot because yeah. I would have stayed home and kept it elevated and done nothing, even though I wanted to be here because I didn't want to be a special snowflake, and and have to you know I just ah. and actually I just for a season needed to be a little bit of a special snowflake and have you tell me it was okay and I listened to you yeah. and came in I think that's the other thing I want to remind people of is we're all special snowflakes I don't yeah. care who you are I don't care because sometimes it's not only like it's not a modifying down it's a modifying up Robin and I fight this battle all the time like oh crap we didn't coach that client right because they should have done X harder yeah. Or why harder? Um, and the other way is like, I never want someone to feel like, oh my God, I'm going to drag everybody else down. No. Like, one, no one's looking at you. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> Two, that's why you come here. Um, and three, understand what's on the board or what's in Sugarwad. It's written for a group. And unless you come to me for an individually designed program, I'm going to have to modify the group to you, and I don't care. I expect that. <laughs> I think Robin gets mad at me half the time because she sees my brain, one question actions, and two work through nine different solutions on, oh, my God, this is going to happen. How do I get ready and help people you know, figure this out or help give them an opportunity to succeed in this? And that's fine. That's actually the puzzle I love. Yeah. I, I, that's our job. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, that's the puzzle I want to solve. I, I hate to say this, but I don't want a bunch of perfect people who can move and do everything perfect. That's a boring class. Right. That's, it's honestly like, I'm just a cheerleader. Then you don't need me. I, I can't remember the quote, but it's like, you know, bring me the, the weak, the tired, the, the problems like cool. Cause that's how we make a bigger change in the world is fixing those people and making this place comfortable and happy for those people um, because they're the ones that need more of the support. They're the ones that are lost in the global gym or there's the ones that are not going to the gym. Right. And I think the more we help people understand that, yeah, it's cool. You don't have to be all right. You just have to be open to make a mod and understand that that's fine. That's actually like smart, good, like, if I was writing a program for you, I would have done that anyway. And luckily for you, you have somebody who cares enough to go, I can do that on the fly. No problem. Here we go. Yeah. And, and you're going to get hits in your life messily. Like Kristen talked about, you're going to have people die. You're going to have financial downturn. You're going to have a lot of stuff that you might need help with. And same with your body. Like you're going to have a hurt foot or you're going to trip and fall and you're going to have a tweaky neck or whatever. Uh, we can help you with that. Well, and that's part of, in general, also how the gym can teach you to deal with setbacks because they happen here, yeah. right? You you do get an injury or pull a thing or have a sore this or that, and you can't do the same thing for a week or two or even longer, and you have to adjust to do that. And what you realize is setbacks suck, and you also didn't die. Yeah. You know, you also were able to adjust. You were able to grow. You were able to stretch other areas that you didn't. Um, 
And that's helpful knowledge that translates. And if I was going to end, and I would leave people with homework because I'm a professor. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so what I would say is um, think about something you learned in here that translated into something out in the world for you. What was that? Um, and how, how the distress tolerance you've learned here, the emotion regulation you've learned here, the building resilience that you've learned here, the testing and knowing limits that you've learned here, Give, you know, think about an example of how that has translated into your life out in the world and then come in and share it with Ben and Robin. Oh, I love that. Love that. This is a great way to find out who listens to the podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add one more for you, KG, because I think this one's really important because we give people homework all the time, so I get to do it too. Okay. Um, and this is something I've learned from myself is how do you cope? And um, how do you look at things? Because I know um, one's a mantra that I have. And then second is like, there's a network there. There's a, there's a person. There's a thing. There's, there's a book. There's a barbell. Um, and understand how you cope with things. And when it's healthy and when it's not. I think that, that's one thing to look at is, okay, how do I cope in the gym? And then how do I need to also cope outside of the gym? Yeah. And both of those you need to have. So I think if you take... Kristen's homework and then that homework, I think you'll really be um, set up for success in here, life, whatever, with your mental health. Yeah. Well, I don't have homework, but I do want to say um, if you are struggling in any way, don't keep it to yourself. Reach out to, you can talk to us. I mean, if you feel comfortable with us, but there's lots of resources out there. Yeah, talk to KG. She's that's helpful. right. I'm here. She I'm in the here. 9 a.m. trust fund class. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, it, and your time is valuable. So we really appreciate you, and for just being awesome. Yeah. Well, I love this gym, and I love you guys. You guys, um, you know, got me through quarantine literally. And I think I would have rage murdered my family if it wasn't for this community. Um, so this, I mean, it applies. I'm, I'm speaking as a, you know, quote unquote expert, but I'm also speaking as a person who's um, seen the benefits of this place in my own life. So, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Take care, gang.